Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. This is Alice Intrigue, Chicago Sun-Times Bears podcast, where Jason, in this episode, we will talk about trying to find the best way to describe the butt-kicking the Bears just took to the Lions. We will wonder what the point is of playing Justin Fields, and we will break down what this means, if anything, at the end of a lost season. All of that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, the Bears lost 41 to 10, and it wasn't that close. Um, We have spent so much time this season praising the Bears, or damning them with faint praise, I guess, for fighting in the face of... uh, whatever talent deficiencies they have. Uh, Here they played the doormat of their division uh, traditionally and were outclassed by halftime. Is that fair to say? They were down 24-10 at halftime. Mm -hmm. They looked good in the first quarter, and Justin Fields was doing what he does and making something out of nothing. Yep. But that's all they've got. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem. It's great to have that. We just saw what it's like, you know, the last several years to have everything but that. Mm-hmm. And it's great to have fields, but Pat, the not necessarily losing 41-10 to the Lions, but the performance, the way they've played the last few weeks, this week being the worst of them, mm-hmm. that, that's, the, that's the cap on how far you'll go if you have only Justin Fields and nothing else. And you see it reflected even in his game, the limitations, mm-hmm. the, the ceiling on what he can be in the passing game with no protection and nobody to throw to. The Bears were up 7-0, and the Lions scored 41 of the game's next 44 points. Uh, The defense was horrible. Uh, The offensive line was worse. Uh, The run game was non-existent. And Justin Fields' uh, running was, you know, electric as always. What scares me, if I'm the Bears, and if I'm trying to see what this can be going forward, is that their pass game looked like a Pop Warner team's pass game. They wound up with 75 passing yards. You take away the sack yardage. The net total is like 30-something. Mm-hmm. That's that's as bad as modern football gets when you're talking about throwing the ball. I mean, remember how he reacted when he completed only seven passes against Green Bay back in week two. Right. We were like, whoa, sounding alarm, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. Now you're in week 17, same thing. Right. And the... Theoretically, the way you fix all of this is better players. You go get better players. Uh-huh. You have the most cap space in the league by a lot for the coming off season, and you have a normal slate of draft picks for the first time in a while. But that's all theoretical. Sure, there is there are there are times where uh, pretty often where teams misjudge a free agent, misjudge a draftee, a draft pick, and you have to get all the you'd have to sit here and look at this team being just absolutely horrible other than Justin Fields right now, and you'd have to say everything would have to be perfect. They would have to get everything right. To go, what, 11-6? and six? Next year, to be that, yeah. yes. They would have to have all their free agents, all their main free agents, like uh, whoever they signed to play offensive line and receiver and stuff like that. That would all have to work out. Draft picks would all have to work out. Uh, Eddie Jackson, Darnell, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson would all have to come back healthy and full capacity. And then maybe you're talking about they make a big jump. If you miss on some of those things and you just have like a modestly better roster than this, mm-hmm. you're not going to be much farther along than this. And by the way, the Lions 
as you know, are not a doormat anymore. No. They have been, yes, for a long time, for most of their history, and the Bears have feasted on them. There's, you know, Matt Nagy. It's the only team he could beat. He was just whooping on the Lions. <laughs> Even when things were their worst, he could beat the Lions. Um, they're in your division. They are rebuilding just like you. They're further along in their rebuild. Mm-hmm. And this isn't like everybody can win. Mm-hmm. You not only are competing against this team for a playoff spot, but you have to play them twice every year. If they're ahead of you, which they are right now, then you're in last place. That's a bad thing. That's a big problem. It, it is. And, and, you know, all you have to do is look on the field today. Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick, really good, really athletic. You saw him actually being able to kind of shadow Justin Fields a little bit. You know, we talk, we talked for years when Aaron Rodgers was good about the Bears going and get, getting these athletic pass rushers to try and Aaron Rodgers proof their team. I think you can argue that Aiden Hutchinson helps the Lions you know, Justin Fields proofs their team, or, or at least, you know, gives them a defender against some of these athletic guys. But, you know, I'll point you to Jeff Okuda. He's the third overall pick from a couple years ago on, uh, on the Lions sideline. He's just a guy. He is 71st in pro football focus rankings. That makes him, on average, the third best corner on his team. You're going to strike out that way, and it's not because there are huge flaws in your scouting system. It's not because your general manager doesn't know what he's doing. It's because the draft is an inexact science. And to expect the Bears to be worlds better as a given because of their draft status and because of their salary cap space is silly. To expect them to be competent, maybe, Jason. And I think what we'll realize next year is just how minor league this roster was. Because... You know, Mark Potash says never, never, uh, never underestimate the mediocrity of the NFL. You know, almost every team in, the f- in football has had weeks or months in which they've been okay this year, including the Texans. Um, the Bears really haven't. And I, I think next year they will be more competent. But I think to expect greatness or even goodness out of out of whatever re- renovation they do this offseason, I think that's silly. I think it's I think it's what you grab onto when you just watch your team get its butt kicked. It would be such a step up from where they're at right now to just being okay, to mm-hmm. just being decent. Yeah. I mean, they're about to go 3-14 and 14 most likely, and in 100-plus years of Bears football, they've only been worse than that once, right. and that is saying something. Mm-hmm. And you hear what you're talking about as far as this being like a triple-A roster, mm-hmm. to borrow from baseball. You hear the acknowledgments of that coming out, whether guys mean to or not. Sure. And where I, the word I'm always hearing is execution. Because mm-hmm. they'll talk about, like, they'll talk all the time, Eberflus and uh, guys, veteran players, more like Jalen Johnson and, and even Justin Fields, if you can call those guys veterans. They, they established secure players. They'll talk about how everybody tries hard. Mm-hmm. They'll talk about how everyone's got the right attitude. Right. They'll talk about how everybody is... Uh, like smart, like they know where to be and what to do. And they say, it's just the execution. That's their way of telling you, whether they even realize it or not, that like good players connect, good players finish that play. Right. Good players do execute. And Justin Fields said today, uh, you know, he, he's been pretty truthful, I think, about things. He said today about the Lions' pass rush, they're getting back there pretty fast. Yeah. And that's it. That's him telling you this This isn't good. Well, and you you can't Matt, play behind this line. And you asked Matt Eberflus about, about uh, how bad their defense was. And, you know, he goes, third and 18. They hand the ball off up the middle. Uh, we had a D lineman miss a tackle, and then the safety's got to got to make that play, and he's not. Eberflus, I think, is even getting a little more comfortable saying, "We missed that." Yeah. Where I think at the beginning of the year he just kind of spoke in generalities and didn't want to air anybody out. And I think I think he's learning maybe to his credit that there's a difference between airing out 
a player of yours and stating a fact. You right. know what I mean? And, and and that's something he said today. Can we well, it's the same thing we do. Yeah, right. I mean, we don't say so-and-so sucks. Yeah. We say so-and-so's only done this. Well, we or so-and-so messed up this play. Yeah, you can't take any joy in it one right. way or the other. And, and that's, that's when it gets lost. There are a couple things I want to talk about here. Um, Chase Claypool being one of them, but also the Bears' um, defense being another. Uh, let's start with the defense real quick. From the middle of the second quarter, or of the first quarter through the middle of the third quarter, almost exactly 30 minutes of game action, Bears gave up 38 points. I'm curious if they've ever done that, ever. 30 minutes of football, 38 points. They allowed uh, almost seven yards per carry, which is just a disaster. Uh, <laughs> Jared Goff, who's had a good season, looked like the best quarterback in the league against them today. And you just you never expected them to get that stop. Mm-hmm. You never thought they you never at any point felt like they had this under control. And they uh, Pat, there was at one point they got a sack. I think it was maybe Gibson and Rob- Robinson. Back they there gave together? it to Gibson. Yes. Okay. And you and I both exclaimed. Oh my God! Is that because we just hadn't seen that? And that, that, that's like that's the the precious bright spot for them today. Well, and, and this is where we remind you that you know if you look at the starters on their team right now. Um, <laughs> Nick Morrow, maybe, maybe is a regular on a decent team. Uh, Kyler Gordon's a rookie, but he's pretty good. Jaquan Brisker is a rookie, but he's really good. Justin Jones is an established veteran, but they actually started him at defensive end today as they continue to play him out of position. I presume to prepare him uh, to, to clear the way for a better defensive tackle. To be able to get something from him. When they sign what they were trying to sign, right, Larry Elgin Joby. That, but that's, your, I mean, that's your defense. I mean, Jason, today on the field were, you know, uh, to start, Mike Pinnell, Antonio Blackson, Tashawn Gibson. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Travis Gibson. Tashawn Gibson plays for the what 49ers? We just like the guy so much. Yeah. We missed Tashawn yeah. Gibson. Yeah, Matt he Adams, was awesome. <laughs> Adams, Thomas, uh, Jones. Houston Carson, none of none of those guys are regular players, uh, and you know I, I think we should. I'm not making excuses for this defense because if this defense is coached the right way and played the right way, you're probably not giving up 30 yard runs on third and 18. But you know of the guys who started today, maybe two are on the field in an important down next year, probably. And and I, I guess my question is, can you just say oh, okay then it doesn't count and we'll and we'll and we'll move along, or is this reflective somehow of the way things are getting coached and the amount of want to that's still in the locker room? I think the biggest problem to me, Patrick, is you look at the the lineup out there today, and you don't see you don't see pieces that they have turned into gold. You don't see guys that there there are no, there is no like overwhelming success story developmentally. Right. Jack Sanborn uh, played much better than people thought as an undrafted rookie. Uh, Braxton Jones at left tackle has played better than people thought as a fifth-round pick from Southern Utah. But neither of those guys – I mean, Jack Sanborn plays a position that they have told you they don't really value. Right. And Braxton Jones is not automatically their starting left tackle next year. There isn't something like that on this right. team. Right. You look at them inheriting a list uh, – just Ryan, Ryan Pohl's to-do list right. after he cleans up the mess, mm-hmm. after he offloads Mac and lets Hicks walk and offloads Nick Foles and all these other things. His to-do list – is really long, but it's not everything. Like he inherited right. a couple things. He got Mo- he inherited Mooney. He inherited uh, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Fields. He had high draft picks to take Gordon and Brisker, mm-hmm. who are supposed to be good players. Mm-hmm. 
But you're not, you can't look at you can't look around and be like, hey, Nikhil Harry, they knew something everyone else didn't, or they turned him into something. They haven't solved a bunch of problems mm-hmm. that to me weren't already solved for them at the start of the season. Well, and what's troubling about that is the one thing they had this season, the one thing they had is playing time for some of these guys to prove themselves. I, I mean, you and I make baseball analogies a lot, but this is, you know, some of these bad Cubs teams the last couple of years. The, the one thing you have is. You know, you can give Christopher Morrell however many at-bats you want to give him and see whether you've got something there. And, and you know, I can't think of a Bears player that that has really proven that. And actually, I can. I'll give you one, Jason. And, and we don't think of him this way because of the way, because of how he settled in. But at the start of the season, Tevin Jenkins had an opportunity to play out of position on, what, three weeks' notice? Mm-hmm. Um, did it did it well and has graded out fairly, fairly well in pro football focus and other places. Today, he left the field with a neck injury in the first quarter after missing the last game because of the previous game's neck injury. Uh, Matt Everflus wouldn't say directly whether it was the exact same thing. I think we can presume it was. Um, Jenkins is probably your highlight in terms of what has developed since opening day, but I, I, I don't know that he can stay on the field long enough to, to prove you're right either. He is a good success story. A guy that you thought at one point, or at least I thought, I think I think you agreed. I, there was a point in August where I thought, this guy doesn't have a spot. Yeah. Like, he might just get straight up cut because he doesn't have a spot. And he successfully made the transition to a totally different position. Right. Moving outside to inside and from left to right. Mm-hmm. And has been, I think, the best offensive lineman this year. That is a success story, yes. Uh, Even I, though they inherited him, mm-hmm. they did like successfully turn him into a quality player that I think will be a starter for them in 2023. This game would have felt differently, though, against the Lions if you were looking out there and saying, oh, Josh Blackwell, oh, man, that they found a corner. Yeah. They found a starting corner. He wouldn't start. He's not starting only because he's on the Bears. Right. He would start on a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Or, or Braxton Jones, for example, guys like that who say, oh, they, they found something there. Mm-hmm. Like some of these guys are, are checking boxes for 2023. That isn't what we're looking at. Well, and I'll give you the inverse of, uh, of Tevin Jenkins. Alex Leatherwood. Somebody the Bears claimed and inherited his first-round pick salary from the Raiders uh, at the start of training camp or at the end of training camp, and he's a healthy scratch today. Healthy scratch, and if you can't play on this team, <laughs> where are you going to play? Dieter Eiselin's playing. Yeah, Dieter. I mean, uh, Dieter Eiselin. I think had had six snaps on offense prior to like you know a month ago. Right, right, and you know he wound up being their third right guard. Worth pointing out that after Jenkins left, he got replaced by Michael Schofield. Schofield then left with a pretty grisly knee injury. Uh, it required him to be carted from the sideline to the locker room. I think it's pre- safe to presume he's not going to play in the finale on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, then you got to play the Dieter Islands of the world. And, you know, that's, you know, I don't know that that helps you any for next year either. Um, speaking of the finale, and I know we're jumping around here a little bit, Jason, uh, the Bears are still, uh, they still have a chance at the first overall pick. The Texans would need to win next week against the Jaguars, and the Bears would need to lose. Or, who are the Texans playing? Not the Jaguars. Colts. Some, the Colts. Yeah, very uh, winnable game for yeah. the Texans. Yeah, the Texans rolled over pretty good today against the Jags. Um, though, and, and, you know, if that were to happen, and the, Bear, you know, the, Bears, the Bears would have number one as it is, they're at number two right now. I don't think they can go any lower than four. So... They've got a top four pick already. Losing today was helpful in yep. that endeavor because I think it could have been all the way to seven if they had won these last two games. Right, 
Right, and we'll see too whether you know uh, the results of uh, this afternoon or Sunday afternoon's Vikings game. We'll see what the Vikings have to play for, and whether or not they'll play their guys. And I want to talk to you about Chase Claypool real quick. We were talking about what players have developed and what players are worth being optimistic about in this season. Uh, since the Bears traded for Claypool on November first, uh, everybody here falls all over themselves saying, "Hey, it's hard to add a wide receiver in the middle of the season." Hey, 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 you don't understand. You know, you know, having him for the full offseason will only help him, and, and then you'll see the real Chase Claypool. You know, he's been hurt. You know, today he played in a very limited role, and it wound up having some sort of exchange with Justin Fields on the sideline. It appears that he was more venting frustration to his position coach, and Justin Fields interjected. And Justin Fields was talking about this in a way of, like, with his, he kind of, his, you know, calmed down version of it later. My understanding of it from what he said was that he confronted Claypool and said, hey, this isn't helping anybody right now. Right. We're all out here getting blown out 41 to 10, not just you. Right. Like, you, it's not helpful to have somebody, you know, blowing up over right. this. The thing with Claypool, and this, that is the addition that they've made. That is the guy. Right. That, I mean, they, they were a shoestring budget in free agency. Mm-hmm. They had some draft picks, not a first-rounder. Claypool was the splashy move, mm-hmm. and it has been very unsplashy so far and there was there was a lot of question around why he was available right why would a why would a a team like the Steelers an organization that is well respected throughout the league and that drafts wide receivers better than any team in football and drafted him high why would they essentially take a refund on Chase Claypool by getting a second round pick for him and so he carries that kind of He's got to prove himself. I know everyone was so happy and wanted to throw right. a parade when they traded for Claypool, but like there were there were some question marks around why he was available in the first place, and it's on him to disprove that. Well, and to his credit, he understands that. I mean, he said when he talked earlier this week for the first time in three weeks that he understands that fans are comparing him to the draft pick, and that you know he thinks it's a good trade and he can't wait to prove it right. Uh, he didn't do much today to prove it right. I think he had one target. Is that right? He got his first and only target pet at the two minute warning. Of the game, mm-hmm. um, there is definitely some concern about. I mean, obviously, this season is not the priority, and next season will tell you everything. But Chase Claypool is up for an extension right now. Sure. Right now, at the end of this season, he'll be wanting one because mm-hmm. who wouldn't? Right. And the Bears, I don't know how they could commit to that. I don't know how they could possibly agree to that. Right. I mean, and but if they don't, then you're going to have another Roquan Smith situation on your hands going into camp. What's interesting about the Bears' decisions uh, this offseason is, you know, they can extend Komet, they can extend Jalen, they can extend Mooney. Uh, Mooney. And all of a sudden now you've got these two wide receivers. You've got the worst wide receiver room in football. And, and your top two guys are up for extensions. One of them just had a pretty bad ankle injury that I think you would need to be comfortable with the medicals to, to pay him. And then really, I mean, I, you and I both love Darnell Mooney as a story and as a He's a pretty good guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's a. I think he's probably your a two and a half on 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 a on a good team. If you want to contend, he's he needs to be your third. Yeah, yeah, he's somewhere between two and three. If you're contending, yeah. And Chase Claypool, you know, is probably a good two uh, on a good team. But neither of these guys are slam dunks. And given that both of them kind of had lost seasons in terms of playing time and comfort, how do you figure out a number? And I'm sure their agents and Ryan Poles have very differing opinions on this. 
but I think it's hard to find a fair salary for either guy given how incomplete uh, the season has been for both. There's also, Pat, for everything that the Bears keep saying to uh, downplay the Claypool situation, there, there is no one in that building who would be telling you truthfully, yeah, we were thinking he'd probably have – 12 catches over the first six games. 12 <laughs> right. catches for 100-something yards. Sure. Like that's, yeah, that's about what we thought he'd be. There's sure. no way he has met expectations internally, even in this short term. Oh, he knows that. I mean, he knows that. And, you know, I think two things can be true. I think it can be valuable to have him here for the full offseason. Uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, having him know the playbook by the end of the season, having him work off campus with Fields and other people before, say free agency starts, that's time he wouldn't have had if the Bears had acquired him otherwise uh, or acquired him on draft day, you know, in, in late April. Uh, that doesn't mean that what he's doing here is acceptable uh, in terms of production, and, and it, it's not. Especially uh, when there's a need. Yeah. It's not like he can't get on the field because they got, they're rolling so well. Right. They've got guys, like, you know, taking those spots, and they don't want to disrupt it. Like they, They've been begging for somebody to come in and want the ball ten times. I was real. I, I wasn't prejudiced. I feel bad. I I don't think you can talk about Claypool without mentioning this. When he hurt his knee in the Packer game, an injury that wound up costing him weeks, he put a sleeve on it and he spent 20 minutes on the sideline running and stretching and trying to get right because he thought it was important for him to be in the game. He didn't make a business decision in that case. He didn't, even though at that point the Bears were really bad. I mean, <laughs> we all knew we all knew by that point what we were looking at on, on the season. I'll give him credit for. If he's banged up the rest of the year because he got hurt against the Packers and tried to play through it, I'd, I, I'll give him a little bit of credit for that. Yeah. I mean, that goes with the whole, like, you know, kind of theme of this team, that it's guys that try hard and, you know, do the right things and everything like that are dedicated, but then, like, they don't produce. Yeah. Yeah, and when you're 3-13, and 13, uh, <laughs> the list of people who aren't producing – uh, is really, really high. Jason, we've got one more week of this, and then uh, we'll do some season obit stuff. Uh, sorry, th- this feels like a bummer of a, of a podcast. Well, I mean, when you lose 41 to 10 to the Lions, Pet, that's what, you're, uh, that's what, you're, what you've ordered <laughs> off the menu. <laughs> Justin Fields is going to play next week, uh, for sure, uh, against the Vikings. And, and I'm not one of these people that just frets every time he plays, like, oh, he's going to get hurt every game. But I, it would be a concern of mine if I were him or Matt Eberflus or Ryan Poles are we putting a preseason-level offensive line out there to protect this guy? Yep. And if that's the case, then it's it's unreasonable to put your franchise quarterback behind that kind of line. And, and, uh, yes, and even with four of their five kind of regular starters in the game today, uh, the offensive line was horrible. So uh, yeah, we'll see uh, You know, Matt Eberflus's explanation for keeping fields in the game in the fourth quarter today and for playing him in the finale is there's no replicating game snaps. You can only get them one place, and that's on Sundays, and it's valuable to him. I'm good with that. I think that that – I'm good with that. I'd, I think that – I don't know the message you would be sending to your team if you sat there and went, all of you guys are so are so horrible that we can't trust you to stand in front of Justin Fields for you know for 60 minutes. But – It might – You might can't be. trust them to stand in front of <laughs> Justin Fields for 60 minutes. I know. You could probably do things like not let Khalil Herbert pass block because there was a moment today where Herbert got got mowed down. You could probably keep some help in uh, when you need to. But, you know, Justin said it, Nieberfuss said it, and it's the truth. Some of these hits he was taking today was because of Justin trying to do too much. And I don't blame him. If I had Justin Fields' raw athletic ability, I would 
I would uh, fight every second to try to uh, slip away from a defender. But, um, but yeah, he admitted that he that he kind of sat sat back and patted the ball too much. We'll see whether he does that against the Vikings. Uh, we will check in later in the week as well. Mark Potash will be here then, too. Um, he's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. Sorry for the bummer of a podcast. That's not our fault. What are you apologizing for? I didn't give up the third. You know who should game. apologize is Ryan Pace. Poles or Pace? Pace. Ryan Pace created this mess. Oh, right. If Ryan Pace let the house get into disrepair, Ryan Poles stripped it down to the studs. He burned down what he had to burn down. <laughs> like, that's what anybody would have done in this situation. <laughs> now, if they're still bad this time next year, then then Ryan Poles will have to answer for it. <laughs> but this is a Ryan Pace production if I've ever seen one. Oh, man, Jason. One more week of this. Uh, he's Jason Lee. I'm Patrick Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.